and there's a horse standing like in the stable next to us and you know the way horses horses appendages sometimes come out like a lipstick a bit like a dog only about a hundred times the size of that well that had happened while we were sim- simulating our sex scene and I mean, the two of us were absolutely scundered. It was like, oh my God. And Jamie was like, Jesus, could somebody take that horse away? It's making me feel really inferior, you know? Hello, this is your host, Graham Rooney, and welcome to A Performer, A Pint, and A Pod. The podcast where I take you down the pub and we meet a performer, have a drink, and find out the tiddly truth you only get in a pub. I'll be chatting to fantastic performers at all different points of their careers, discussing where they've come from, career-defining moments, and of course, guilty pleasures. All whilst having a laugh and getting a wee bit pissed. Fancy a pint with a pop star? A whiskey with your West End idol? Or a mojito with a magician? Then join me down the pub. So, without further ado, let's head down to the local and see which one of the nation's top performers is in there tonight. Hey, please, mate. Thank you very much. This week, I go for a pint with a belter of an actress, Brona Waugh. Since bursting onto her screens as the very funny Cheryl in Hollyoaks, she's gone on to do some cracking dramas including hit show The Fall and new ITV drama Dez with David Tennant. Brona Waugh, hello and welcome to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. How are you? I'm really good, Graham. Thanks very much for having me on. It's a pleasure. <laughs> long time no see or long time no hear. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you say that it's long time no see for you, but um, like everything I'm watching at the moment is like your face is oh, popping God. up. Um, Sorry, sick of the time, man. <laughs> <I'm stunted. laughs> Honestly, there's like there's quite a few, but we'll, we will get on to all these different things. First of all, um, it is performer a pint and pod. What, 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 what are you drinking? I am sat in my wee apartment in Manchester and I am drinking a wee tin of Gordon's, oh, shouldn't be promoting things, <laughs> of a well-known brand of Slimline Gin and Tonic. Other, other gin brands uh, can be purchased. Are, are available, <laughs> but I'm feeling flush, so I'm going for the supermarket's finest. <laughs> oh, love it. So you just advertised it and criticised it. I know. That's <laughs> why I don't get given free stuff. Oh, well, I mean, I'm not going to get it on my podcast now. There goes that. <laughs> sponsor <laughs> i do love a gin i love a gin there's some great irish ones out there <laughs> looking at you Jawbox gin Jawbox gin <laughs> oh brilliant uh well i'm just i'm on the on the australia a little bottle of australia as well oh yeah. lovely i do still summery i like it you're, you're hanging on to those summer vibes what's the weather like in london it's, it's very nice actually it's not too bad it? it's because it's been a bit oh, crap really, um it, it went through really a, bit, a bit of a rubbish period um but yeah no yeah. I've got the northern weather. I'm up in Manchester and it is raining, but it's st- it's great. It's a good city. I'm happy to be here. I can deal with the rain. I'm Irish. <laughs> Don't <laughs> criticise this. Like Manchester <laughs> and Gordon's Gin within like the first three minutes of the episode. Love Manchester, love gin. Just just gotta get get that out. Oh there. yeah. <laughs> Don't like try the and rain redeem though. yourself there. <laughs> um, but yes, no. What I was, um, what I was saying, obviously, uh, as we, before we got onto the onto the booze, um, is mm. that I, I have seen your face popping up and everything I seem to be watching in lockdown because of, of like a lot of people, 
um, if they hadn't already seen it, um, they've been watching the fall because it was in the sort it was in the yeah. top ten on Netflix, wasn't it? It was like yeah, like a... yeah it was great that um, it's come back out again. I know I'm slightly scundered that everything's all come out or is coming back out again all at the same time, as my granda would say back home in Ireland oh Jesus you're making a show of yourself <laughs> and I do feel slightly mortified that it's like I'm really actually not that busy it's just that um I think the pandemic lots of things are being repeated which of course for all the out-of-work actors is always fantastic you know you get 30p or whatever it is per per re-showing of yes. things so yes, you know, for, every penny yes, counts but, like, for, for people who are not in the performing industry basically uh, there's a thing called Beck's which is an email mm. that all uh, actors and actresses love. Oh, we live for that day, um, Graham, when, don't we? We live for when it. When it comes in, and uh, what it is is repeat <laughs> fees from around the world, uh, and you open your email to find out whether you've got 23p because yeah. an ITV drama has been shown yeah. in yeah. Australia. £46! <laughs> I've got £46 from 500 episodes of Hollyoaks. That's it, and it just... It, but it, add, it adds up, and you, but you never know. It does. You never know. No, it does, and it's always a very, very welcome reminder, and, and God love the lovely people at Bex. They've been trying to really um, find the money from different show, re-showings of things, because lots of people have been getting those emails a bit more regularly. And I think that's been very, very welcome because as I'm sure lots of your lovely listeners know, the theatres are all still closed um, and work is, is very dry for a lot of actors. So so that is very, you know, we're very grateful for that. But but yeah, Netflix decided to to show the fall again. And it's been um, it's been incredible, actually. It, it was quite unexpected. It, they put all three seasons back on and. And it started trending. It was like in the top 10 and then it was top five. And then um, then I got a message from the producers. It was top one. And it was like number one spot. <laughs> top and I was like, that's one. so cool. <laughs> yeah, top it was one. Top there one. is only one thing. <laughs> I mean, it was a torture. Loads of people I knew. And it's probably because I'm Irish as well. I was like, oh my God, I can't turn the television on for not seeing Gillian, you know, Fanny and about in that police car and you know like people are just sick to the back teeth of it that are that are my family you know but um it's brought lots of new uh lovely viewers in which has been so so nice and um, loads of people who didn't get to watch it the first time around have been have been messaging and and seem to have been really enjoying it I think you know we've just watched so much telly in lockdown oh, yeah. haven't I, we and it's nice to get into a good box set every, you know? everyone's caught up I missed the fall first what time round. Oh, uh, I am on. I literally. I watched. I'm season season three episode one. I finished last uh-huh. night. Um, I, I couldn't believe there was a series three. Actually, the end of. I mean, I um, the I spoilers. I'm going to say here, but I'm like, well, wait a minute. I mean, I know. Is it still going? I know. <laughs> like, I, I was a bit. Have not caught him you know, yet? You know, when, know. When, when when the serial killer's been arrested and shot. You think that you think that would it, be it over, may just be the end, but but I no, know. Um, I know. But it, I mean, it must have been a huge thing when you did it. Yeah, yeah. I was so grateful to get the job. You know, like I mean, when I met you, Graham, I was up north as well. I was on that job, um, that uh, on that job on Hollyoaks, <laughs> uh, which is like obviously a soap on Channel Four. Quite a few people know it. That job, you know, do you remember that thing? <laughs> Still on. Um, but yeah, I was on Hollyoaks, and I had been in the show at that stage for about four years, and I really, I loved it there, and I loved my time there. But I very much wanted to. Uh, to find a a new thing and a new challenge and go on to something else and I was very aware of what sometimes the um, 
preconceptions can be of actors who have been in a soap um it can sometimes i think especially in in this country and maybe not so much in america or whatever but i definitely think in the uk people are a bit you know in telly not 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 viewers viewers are great it's it's telly people you know can sometimes be a wee bit like oh it's a soap you know um and so I was a bit aware of like am I ever going to get another job out of this and so I was quietly auditioning on the side for things kind of not sure if anything was going to land and then the fall I read the script and was just like I read the first three episodes of the first season was like oh my god I love this I want this so bad and I went to the auditions, went to the recalls and like you don't mention anything to work because you think I don't want to panic anyone. Like it's only an audition, probably not going to get it. And then lo and behold, like on the fourth chemistry read, oh, it was quite funny actually when I had to go in and do a chemistry read with Jamie Jordan. <laughs> I am a tall, as you know, I'm a very tall woman. Um, and when I have heels on, I'm even taller. So I'm, I'm nearly 5'11", I'm 5'10 and a half. But when I've got heels on, I'm over six foot. And I had these little lovely little heels on and walked into the audition and saw Jamie and he was about six foot and I was like <gasps> so I kicked my shoes off as soon as I came into the room and kind of casually leant against the wall <laughs> like in a slight kind of bend to make myself smaller and shorter and more demure I was like hi how's it going and it kind of looked a bit I was weird to pseudo seductive <laughs> just, it was mortified you just come into a room kick off your shoes and then just hey and lean, <laughs> just lean on a wall and go, hey, how's it going? Like, God, I can't believe I got well, the job. The, yeah, the was chemistry like, was there straight away. That's what they saw. Know, well, he just they laughed. Just saw the magic. He just laughed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he just laughed. But yeah, I got the job. And then I had that really awful like thing of going, I was so excited. And then I was like, oh, no, now I've got to tell work. And the job started in like two weeks time. And I was like, oh, my God, how on earth am I going to? juggle this I've just signed a new contract to, to stay in the show oh my god what's gonna happen but um the producer Emma Smithick at the time a lovely woman from Dublin she was just incredible she was like oh my god you've got a show with Gillian Anderson like that's so cool and she was just so lovely and she was like we will make it work and she she allowed me to I basically double jobbed and so it was like five months of of playing Cheryl, which is this mm. mad, big, big sort of brassy character with loads of makeup and big curls and boobs spilling out. And then and then playing Sally Ann, who's this very, you know, quiet and reserved nurse that's very low, low key, you know. So it was a very odd time. I did five months of just working seven days a week um, and flying back and forth between Liverpool and Belfast. But I mean, I am so, so grateful for that job because it, it provided the um, stepping stone for me to be able to go into drama and and kind of show that I'm not just this one thing that I was known for in the soap, you know? It was such a different character. So I'm, I'm so chuffed and so grateful that I got to do it. And it was all shot in Northern Ireland and, you know, it was set in Northern Ireland. It wasn't about the troubles. You, it was about a serial killer, but you know, yeah. you got to take what you can. It's still, still a bit troubling. It's progress. It's progress, Graham. It's like, if we're going to Northern Ireland, something bad's got to happen. Exactly, exactly. But that's unbelievable. I, I didn't know you got that while you were still at Hollyoaks. Yeah. And, I mean, those two characters. If people know. Know. And there was times you'd be on set. Like, there's times you'd be on set and uh, <laughs> the director, Jakob, would come over and go, Brona, like, can you just... Uh play it down a wee bit more a wee bit more subtle and I was like oh sorry because so, I just literally got off a plane shooting two scenes playing Cheryl who's like hi how's it going oh my god like she speaks a million miles an hour and it's just you know it was just a bit of a mind 
failed kind of, you know, mind warp. But what a brilliant thing to be able to do to, you know, to be able to to kind of exercise your brain in that way. It was a it was a challenge, but great crack. And I'm so grateful for for the job. It really did provide a, a good springboard for me to be able to go on to other other types of shows, you know. Well that's it. I mean like Hollyoaks was was such a different character. I think um mm. we'll, we'll go back to Hollyoaks, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll like talk about like the fall and the other mm-hmm. ones after mm-hmm. that because mm-hmm. you've had some very serious and very intense stuff, and and even more <laughs> coming up as well. Um, quite a yeah. shift. I think the fall was a big shift in your career. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. but uh, let's well actually let's go right back and how it all mm. began for you. Um, mm. because if I'm right, your acting career started in an oscar nominated movie is that correct no that's not that's wikipedia being wrong again i mean i'll take it wikipedia thank you uh no it's not is it does it say good morning vietnam it does but it wasn't wikipedia yeah i mean that's i wouldn't i wouldn't trust wikipedia Ah, right. Um, no, that's um, that's not correct. That must have been a journalist that got something wrong. No, I auditioned for Good Morning Vietnam, but I didn't get it. I mean, there's no girls in it, Greg. No, but no, there's not one female. They did a scene and it got cut out. <laughs> No, it didn't. I mean, maybe I should take that story and, and own it. You know, like a shark bit bit me instead of slamming my finger in the door. But no, uh, it did not happen. No, I auditioned for it. They basically, I, I went to school, uh, to an international school in Bangkok in Thailand because my mommy worked in IT and she had this brilliant opportunity when I was younger to, they were looking for people that needed to move out to Thailand instantly, like in the next three months. And a lot of families or people couldn't move that quickly or take their kids out of school. Yeah. But it was just me and my mom. And she was like, yep, 100%. This is an amazing opportunity. Like what a you know fantastic thing to be able to do. So we did and went out there and it was a fantastic school and an amazing experience. Um, and and a, a casting director came to our high school one day um, because they were making Good Morning Vietnam. And at the time they made that film, Vietnam was still closed. It, you weren't allowed to go in there. So they were filming the film in Thailand as if it was Vietnam. So they were looking for extras and they needed as many American soldier extras as they could get. So they went to the American schools and the international schools. So they had this casting notice up looking for boys between 16 to 18, uh, you know, that could look like they were soldiers. So I was, and I knew I wanted to be an actor. So I was like, I could do this. And I had a shaved head at the time. I was quite a tomboy. So I put a, like a green baseball cap on and I strapped my boobs down with um, knee bandage I played a lot of basketball and volleyball when, when wow. I was wee, so I strapped my boobs down with, with knee bandage and uh, and went in in a vest top and these combats and, and my hat and spoke in an American accent <laughs> and tried to lower it. You know, I was like, hey, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the audition. You're looking for <laughs> soldiers. And the guy and the woman just laughed <laughs> and were like, uh, okay, so you're a girl, but uh, what's your name? And I was like, Brona. I mean, uh, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that you know, I was just really excited they were talking to me, and they were like, "Well, we're obviously just looking for boys," but they just they really liked me because I was ballsy, I think, and because I, I kind of went for it. So I, I didn't obviously get a role. Loads of my mates did; they were all soldiers in it, but I, I didn't. Uh, but the same casting director came back to our school. Oh, I don't know, about six months, a year later, they were casting this soap. Uh, well, it was kind of like a soap. It was like a, it was a weird program about learning English 
where they t- told a lot of the stuff. It was like a, a magazine show, but segments of it were like a soap. And it would be an American family and they would film st- some stuff in Thai and then the same scene in English. And it was a, a way, it was actually a very good idea, a great way of people being able to learn English because you can watch each, each segment, you know, in both languages. Yes. Um, so I, they came in and, and, you know, met me for that, t- to be the daughter and that. And one of my other best friends in school, she also got a part in it. And so we did a wee bit of filming there. So that was my first kind of go at that kind of thing but but people always go oh my god like that's wild but in thailand thailand's like a country of incredible like opportunity where like mad things happen where you just go no way no way could that happen like my best friend she released a pop single when she was 15 you know like that's just <laughs> people just do just things saying, yeah. like that there it's just wild like you know that wouldn't happen here you know but it did there and i think actually it 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 built me up to false hopes of what it would be like when I came back here. I was like, oh, you can do whatever you want. You can be in a movie, you can be in a show, you can, you know, and then I came back to the UK and was like, uh, it doesn't work like that here. Also, well, I mean, but at the same time, I think maybe it, it, there is an attitude thing. <laughs> Definitely here. We're over there. Like, obviously, it's like you've got this positive attitude. You, I mean, you went into the audition and thought, even although I'm a girl, <laughs> right? I mean, like, there's not, not many people I would think in the UK where they're like, all oh. oh, right, you know, it's a male part. I'm a female, but stuff this. I'm just going to wrap myself up, chuck Such on a baseball cap, and that's it. Such an agent. G.I. Jane had just been out that year as well or around that time and I was like oh my god like I just I think I was such a tomboy and I kind of was like nothing should be able to stop us you know I'm an actor I can do it well that's it um, you can but, yeah. <laughs> an actor you should be like dear, dear, dear. turn your hand to anything <laughs> no. um but but in fairness it did pay off that positive attitude and, and you ended up yeah, just yeah. with yourself in a in a soap in Thailand yeah now who would have thought um, I, I certainly know. I... knowing you and I like I've seen you in Hollyoaks and <laughs> and the fall. I would never have thought that you auditioned for Good Good Morning Vietnam and then like were in a in a Thai soap. I know it's it's random, it's random and wild. But you know, I I teach younger actors sometimes uh, when I'm not working, um, and I always say to them like, whatever you want to do, go out and give it a go. And like, I hate this whole thing that they have like. And I think it's quite an old fashioned thinking of like casting types or stereotypes of what you could play. I always say to young actors I work with, whatever you want to play, you can play it. Like, give it a go. Like, you know, whatever you want, go after it. Of course, we're going to have tons of rejection and tons of, of, of things that will let us down. But, but if you don't go for it, you won't know, you know, and sometimes people think outside the box and they're like, actually, you know, I mean, obviously not for Good Morning yeah, Vietnam, I mean, but you never know if they made that, that film like, nowadays, like, I bet I'd, I could, you know, I'd give it a good go. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you're, you're not telling them all to go and strap down their boobs and play, like, play guys and stuff no, like that. No, 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 no. Of course. No, we just need more roles for women, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, then that would be better, you know. <laughs> Things are changing. That, oh, good. no, definitely, definitely. Oh, uh, dear. <laughs> Right. Uh, anyway, so you came you came back from Thailand, uh, and and mm. you said that it was a bit tougher. Was it next thing that you did? You went to Guildford School of Acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to drama school, and uh, 
that was really hard to get into because I was I was 17 when I finished my A-levels. So I was a year younger than a lot of kids in the UK because they just it's boring. But the way the school system worked in Thailand was you did a test to get in and then you could skip a year if you want. So I had skipped first year and it meant that I finished a year early. And so drama schools just didn't want me. They were like, you're too young or insurance doesn't cover it. And they kept saying, go off traveling. And I thought, Jesus, I've been traveling for years. Like I want to be in the UK now and I want to train. And so it was really frustrating. But um, eventually I got into GSA and I went there. And yeah, I mean, like it was great. And I had a brilliant time. That's actually the school that I go back and teach at now. But there was a lot of things that um, I didn't like about it and that I thought needed changing. And and it's a lot, I think drama schools have a lot of, change that they need to make to get with the times of things you Mm. know and that was part of what I was passionate about coming back now to be able to do because you know there's things like once you do your and you'll know this yourself once you do your first telly job there's no like nobody tells you what the names of words are or the terminology or um like I'll never forget my first day in Hollyoaks um you get the can you go to canteen to get your your breakfast and I had a you know lovely big breakfast and <laughs> then first scene first scene on uh on set and the camera assistant you know they get they get me to take my mark and I go and I stand on my mark and all the crew are standing around and the camera assistant uh turns around to me and he goes would you like a sausage and I went no no mate I'm all right cheers <laughs> I just had a fry and he went what and I went no honestly mate I'm busting like I've had a full fry like I, I couldn't even manage a sausage and he just, his face was like, and the whole room burst out laughing. And I was mortified. I was like, why is everyone laughing at me? Like, I'm not being greedy. Why are they laughing? Like, I just didn't understand. And then the DOP turned around to me and he went, a sausage is a beanbag in the shape of a sausage that you put in front of your feet for a mark. And it's so that basically an actor can walk onto their mark without having to look down at the wee piece of tape, you know, um, so you can feel it when you kick it with your foot and it's called a sausage. I never knew that. And, you know, drama school didn't teach me that. So, so they, they, so they like, just made a fool of you. They made a fool of you when you had a mortified, Graham. Mortified, <laughs> mortified. You know, there was me. Like I didn't realize that the. You know, I just thought everyone was being very generous with the food. I couldn't believe you could get a fry in the first place. I was like, this is amazing. Monday morning fry. Oh, fuck you! You like, you know, guy just off camera thinks she looks hungry. I know she's hungry. I know, but I just thought, you know, oh, that's lovely. They are. Everybody says everybody's very welcome in here, and they really are. <laughs> He's offering a sausage. <laughs> oh no, how nice is that? Like I'm all right, mate. I've just done my lipstick, but that's very kindy. Um so yeah, like that's part of the thing I really like about now going back to drama school is being able to try and teach all the young actors like this is how to read a call sheet. I mean, for any of your listeners that that um are not in the business, trying to read a call sheet is like trying to read you know, Sanskrit, it's, it's so complicated and so such an ancient, you know, tradition of, of film of like how it's all structured. And you're like, I, I don't, I can't, I couldn't tell you what one thing said in it. So, um, and you know, lots of young actors are scared to ask you're, you, you don't want to look silly or you don't want to look daft. And that was one of the things I tried to do when I was at Hollyoaks was any young actors coming in. It's like, you know, do you want me to help you read the schedule? Do you want me to help you read? You know, it's cause it's complicated. So I think it's important in, in training institutes to learn those things so yeah. that you feel, 
you know, you don't feel as mortified or you're nervous enough about the acting. You need, you know, you don't need to worry about those things. As yeah, well. the, I mean, the the TV, so the, like every drama school, that I, like my drama school as well as, but mm. every other drama school I've heard as well, the sort of, um, all the, the TV, the learning when it comes to TV is, mm. is not great. There's not, there's not loads mm. of teaching. It's all about theatre mm. and plays yeah. and and the teaching of the acting of course but like you say mm. the fundamentals of working in mm. tv that isn't so like i i think the only thing i got told about was a mark um so at mm-hmm. least i, I did know that yeah. um yeah. i know some schools they don't so they won't um, no. and people listening like um a mark is is just a as a little mark on the floor that's the spot you've got to hit um when you come in it's to like see a piece your line. of tape yeah. isn't it and and if there's like seven or eight actors in a scene everyone's got their own color like you're yellow i'm green blue pink and and there's just a million little pieces of brightly colored gaffer tape on the floor and it's all it's it's very funny like tv and film is very technical like there's just a lot of weird technical things that you're cheating uh shots and cheating eye lines eye lines when you're looking at somebody but sometimes you've got to cheat that for camera and stuff <laughs> you know nobody teaches any any of those things or you know like I didn't know in, in tv and film if you want to go for a way you say uh, to the assistant director can I 10 one I didn't know. I, I used to always go, I just need to go for a piss. Like, and people I'll, would just be like, be honest, oh my God. I've still not said that. I mean, I've done plenty. So I've all these jobs. And they'll, and they'll be like, Brona's just going 10-1. And I'm like, do they mean I'm going to take 10 minutes? Like, do I need to pay quicker? Like, you know, just things like that I didn't understand. Or I remember, like, sometimes runners will say, um, uh, who's got eyes on Brona? Or I've got eyes on Brona. I'd be like, you know, you look behind your shoulder and you're like, what do you mean? Are you like quite mischievous? Were you like running away and stuff? Eyes on Brona. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, yeah. Eyes on Brona, I know where she is, yeah. I was, well, I'd just get chatting to somebody and then you'd end up being 10 metres away from where you're meant to be, you know. But yeah, none of that stuff is taught. So I feel really passionately about about uh, passing all of that on to young actors and so much more nowadays is on tv and film and on the internet and especially in lockdown you know we our theaters have been closed for so long now and you know my heart goes out to everybody who works in in theater um especially the three million excluded like there's so many people who work in props and dressers and costume and hair and wigs and none of those guys have been helped at all and they're on their knees so you know i hope the theaters open soon and safely you know um it's 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 worrying times but but with tv and film that's happening a lot more now because we can control those environments more you know and there was things there was a lot of zoom stuff on even on itv you know like isolation diaries there was that thing with david tennant and uh, michael sheen you know so a lot more they can send you wee camera kits to your house that have been anti-backed down and then you know direct you down zoom so so I think it's more important now more than ever for young actors to to learn about all those technical things so that they feel confident, you know, when they're going in for a job. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think there's, there's TV it's, at the moment, our industry basically is TV and film because, mm-hmm. because theatre is it, and we did have some outdoor theatre happening, but like we've just said, mm. we talked about the weather. <laughs> Not much mm. outdoor theatre in Manchester, like you say. Yeah. Um, or, well, if there was, there wasn't much of an audience with the rain. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and it's as soon as it goes into the winter, then that's your theatre like, exactly. um, done until exactly. we can get sorted with this COVID. 
Mm-hmm. So it's important for, you know, actors and, and people in crew and stuff to be able to adapt to the way our world is changing and, and be able to, you know, like yourself and myself, we, we, we've had to learn how to use technical things and microphones and, you know, you've got to learn and adapt new skills all the time. So I'm quite passionate about paying that forward because, you know, I think my experience in drama school was very much theatre and I have done theatre, but but I've made much more of a career for myself in TV and, and you learn on the job, which is grand, but some people, you know, that would put them to pieces, you know, worrying about stuff and anxiety, you know, so. Oh, no, um, um, definitely. And and also what people listening to this won't know is, is, is the fact that you've also learnt on this podcast how to use your microphone as well. Um, I have, Graham. Thank you very much. Thank you for helping me. Before we started uh, recording, uh, it sounded like you were far away in the distance. I know, I know. I didn't even know. I mean, I've bought all the gear, no idea, literally. uh, Brona basically had her microphone right at her mouth, but was using her computer microphone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stay tuned, folks, for more top tech tips from Brona. I know. (laughs) I'm so glad you're teaching those kids back in the school. I know, right? Not qualified (laughs) at all. I'm so glad they chose you to come back. I know, I know, right? Oh, well done. Uh, <laughs> Guildford are listening to this then they'll yeah, just be like I know, okay I know, no up. job there's no job to go home <laughs> <That's to. it>. <laughs> right so anyway you uh, moving up moving along onto more mm. positive stuff about yeah out, 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 of, out of the covid world um and back mm. into your career um you mm. left uh you left drama school um when you were 20 is that right you graduated Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, I worked in a car garage in Land Rover selling cars to pay all my fees off, and I loved it. <laughs> I always say this to young actors as well. I'm like, go out and get jobs. Like, go out and get random jobs because it really does help for different roles you take on. And I loved it. I lo- like, I'm I'm a bit of a nerd about cars and especially Land Rovers. Um, I really love them and I love off-roading and I had a Defender myself and love to like tinker about with them with my dad. And um, so yeah, I worked in. Uh, like in Land Rover, Hunter's Land Rover in Guildford selling cars and it was great crack. It was brilliant. I've done some wild jobs over the time, but sure, every actor has. You know, I've sold credit cards and for Bank of Ireland in the airport. Do, do people remember those days pre, pre-bank pre crash in 2008 when they were just giving credit cards out left, right and centre? Well, I was that annoying woman that would hassle you on the gate between gate 10 and gate 14. And I didn't get paid, but I got paid £10 for every application that was successful. So you'd have to go over to stag do's and hen do's and be like, lads, listen, I know you aren't interested in this at all, but I literally cannot pay my rent if you don't sign up for these. Please just sign it out and sign up for it and then cut up. Cards, I love how precise you are about all this between yeah. gate 10 and gate 14. And 14, I had, that was my patch. That was my patch, yeah, oh, right. which tended to be Magaluf if, and, you know, Malaga. I love it. <laughs> if any stags or hens got approached by Brona, please yeah. tweet or message me when you listen to this. And also, can I say a sincerely heartfelt thank you? You helped me pay rent that month. Um, if, um, if you signed yeah. up, yeah, a big, a big thank you. Thank you. And also a, sinc- a sincere apology if it got you into a lot of credit card debt. <laughs> oh. Massively irresponsible. Yeah, actually, don't um, message me if that happened. All right, yeah. I can't help you. Like we've just said, we've been waiting on Beck's emails for 27 mm-hmm. pence yeah. from Romania. <laughs> so I can't help you. 
<laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I came out of drama school with all these hopes and dreams and, and nothing happened. Like I didn't get an agent. I didn't get any auditions. I just went and did a load of random jobs, uh, which in hindsight now, I couldn't say it at the time, but in hindsight now, it was excellent for myself and character forming and, you know, and resilient. It gives you resilience and uh, and kind of a perspective on the real world, you know, rather than just, you know, it would be far too easy if you just swam from one thing to the other. Um, I think it gives you metal, doesn't it? It um, does. I think I of... think when I hear sometimes about people, I've sp- uh, spoken to quite a few people on the podcast, obviously, and when you hear about people who've worked really hard, they've done little bits and bobs and jobs, mm. like like you say, not acting jobs, um, mm. and they've not mm. got an agent straight away. The difference when mm. they talk about when they got that job or when their career oh, changed, it, it's a huge difference. And also, I think that with that kind of experience, you then expect it, not expect it to end, but when it ends, you're like, you're resilient to go, right, what's next, you know? And and I'm a firm believer of like, you know, if you keep banging your head against the wall, the same thing's going to happen. You're going to have a split head, you know, a sore head. So yeah, I had stayed do in London. <laughs> no, don't. I just do, want to say to anyone listening <laughs> and is a big Brona fan, don't do that. <laughs> um but like nothing was working for me in London and so I remember one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given was if something is not working for you change it like if if your path the path you're trying to go down is continually shut doors change it and change course and so I did I decided London was not working for me it was expensive and I felt a bit lost and a bit lonely as well um so I decided to move back to Belfast and and this is something I say to young actors all the time is like work out what your USP is like what's the unique thing about you and for me it was being from Northern Ireland and it was like well then I should go back there and I should build a base you know I should build a base and a body of work there it's a smaller part of the UK um it's a smaller pool of people I'm not competing against the entire of London you know the entirety of London it's it's uh it it might be easier to break into so I moved back to Belfast and it was really hard um because (laughs) it was everyone thought I was mad doing it but it was really hard because everybody there was like oh who do who does she think she is blowing in the big blowing from London you know um she thinks she's gonna come in and you know change things up well I I don't think so you know um so it was it was harder than I thought but I got a job in a bar in a pub that loads of actors and directors drank in and basically worked there for two years and kind of just through brute sheer force didn't allow anybody not to speak like I just kept when I was serving the pints just kept chatting and and ended up forcing friendships (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> through excellently poured pints of Guinness um, and and I kind of got to know a few people then and build a bit of a network of, of friends because I didn't really know anyone I'd been away for so long um, and I couldn't you know I did wee bits of bobs of theatre stuff and a few wee bits I mean I've got to tell you this Graham worst job I've ever done and it's okay because I've told the comedian the comic that it is and and the producer of it is now a very good friend of mine and I have worked with him since so I don't mind speaking about it but there was this show right do you know the comic Jason Byrne He's oh an yes Irish comedian. yes I do so Jason had a show on the BBC called Jason Byrne hates dot 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 and it was six episodes of like Jason Byrne hates women Jason Byrne I mean it would never get made now Jason Byrne <laughs> hates transport Jason Byrne hates 
you know, whatever jobs or, and, and every episode, it was like a studio um, recorded show of kind of a mix of sketches and him doing stand up and a load of different things and VTs. So I did the episode, Jason Byrne hates women. And like, this just wouldn't happen now. I, I don't know but why. Basically, <laughs> why wouldn't that be made? <laughs> well, especially when you hear what I had to do in the audition, I had to take my top off. Um, what? So it, yeah, so my role was Tuba Booba Girl. <laughs> Basically, it was for a sketch where Jason was going to play the, I mean, I don't know why it was called Tuba Booba. He was going to play an organ, like a church organ, you know, with the big different shaped pipes. <laughs> and he, and I mean, it's so politically incorrect. He he had a conductor suit on, on his knees. So he looked smaller, um, <laughs> you know. Like, and his shoes on his knees, do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then yeah. he came out, like, as a conductor. And then there was three women strapped to this organ of varying sizes. So the big girl with the big boobs, the medium girl with the medium boobs, and the tiny girl with the tiny boobs. I mean, like, it's unbelievable uh, and, that this ever got made in the 90s. But it, Or no, it wasn't even the 90s. It was early 2000s. So anyway, the, I auditioned for, I mean, they weren't sure if I was medium tuba booba girl or big tuba booba girl. <laughs> so I mean, it wasn't on your CV. <laughs> yeah, I had to go into the BBC and, and give the head of comedy a quick flash of my breasts but but with but with the brown you know and well, there was that, lots that, of other women I in the think room that's, that's definitely good yes yeah and and I've got to say as well like there was nothing um there was nothing untoward or uncomfortable in in terms of being in the room the concept of the sketch was horrendous and that shouldn't happen but I never felt you know I willingly went to that audition and um, you know, Jesus, cut to 10 years later when I'm in a hot tub in Hollyoaks in my bikini all the time. So, you know, I wasn't shy about those things. So so that was fine. I didn't feel uncomfortable. But cut to the studio day and we get strapped to these organs with black bras on and skirts, like pencil skirts. And we got strapped to this organ and then we had to get wheeled out by the stage manager in front of a live studio audience. It was horrendous. Just the whole studio erupted in laughter and it's like a dream gone bad where you're like you dream you're naked in front of a live studio audience oh no I am I am it actually does sound like that happening um and then he gets his little furry sticks out you know with the funny little felty stick uh bobbles on the top and he then just proceeds to play our boobs like a xylophone. Oh my God. And that was the sketch. And funnily enough, I worked with Jason about three years ago, two or three years ago, uh, doing a, a comedy pilot with him. And I was like, Jason, you probably don't remember me, but about 15 years ago, I did Jason Byrne Hates Women. And you saw, God love him, you saw his face just crumble. He's like, Brona, I'm sorry. Whatever happened, I'm sorry if the sketch was awful. And I was like, yeah, I was the tuba booba girl. And he was like, oh my God, I'm mortified. I love that. So, I, was like, I don't know if you uh, remember me, but 15 years ago, you you played my boobs. <laughs> like, you know. I know, it's like, I don't know if you remember my face, but how about I pull my t-shirt up? Do you recognize these puppies? <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was like the worst job ever. Um, and I did a bunch of different, just like cameo things and things where you're, and it was all very, you know, I learned a lot. It was experience. It was things you go, I'm never doing this again. It makes a good story. I've learned a bit about camera, but I'm never doing this again. Um, and then 
I, I, I decided I couldn't get an audition for our uh, local theatre, the Lyric, which was like, it would be our version of the National. It's the big, big theatre, you know, in Belfast that produces lots of great plays and new writing. And I just could not get an audition there. It was quite a closed shop. So I decided to form my own theatre company with one of my pals, Jared McCabe. And we just went, let's get together, the two of us, and do a play in a pub. I'm a barmaid. I work here. We can get the back room for free to rehearse in. And we decided to do a play called Jim Cartwright's Two, which is set in a pub. It's set in Lancashire in a pub, and it's two actors playing six characters each. And I kind of thought if we did this, but set it in Northern Ireland with six different characters from all over Northern Ireland, but did it in the pub I work in, then we don't have to pay for the venue. The landlord's happy because as long as people can drink while they're watching the show, then he's making money on a Tuesday and Wednesday night. And we get to show what we can do playing six different roles. So we did that and we called our uh, theatre company Pint Size Theatre Company because we'd come up with it, you know, after my shift in the pub over a pint. Nice. Um, there was only two, two of <laughs> Took us. Took a lot of so thought we were pint sized. Yeah. And we did the show and, and it went really well. It sold out and then extended its run. And, um, and I, that's how I got kind of my first opportunity with different producers and directors with things um, was kind of by sheer, like, I'm not going to let this bring me down I'm going to find a way to create work for myself and I say this to young actors all the time if you're having a hard time create your own work like it, 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 nothing might ever come from it but it will be good for your mind and good for your body and, oh, and it's, soul it, it, creativity it's 100%. You know? yeah I, I think yeah. I mean <laughs> listening to you I think this is amazing like you say that I've been watching you and all these tv shows and everything and this is a what what a story of of where do you start and how hard it's been from that first London stint <laughs> yeah. sell credit cards. <laughs> then you're over to Belfast, you're working in the pub, and then you're getting your boobs played by some <laughs> comedian and the, like your one job is like some sort of nightmare. Um yeah. but then then you've gone and uh, done your own show. Uh, in that pub yeah. but that's that's that, is, that, and that led to other yeah it led to other stuff and I and then I started getting plays and so I, I had a, a couple of years of doing lots of wee plays no money in it but great experience really fantastic to get your teeth into those roles and um I was doing a play called The Flags um up in the Roddy Doyle Social Club in West Belfast and uh and the audition came in for Hollyoaks and I, it meant I had to fly over to Liverpool and I had a performance that night and I had to ask Tony Devlin the director who's a mate of mine now and I was like Tony listen and I was playing the lead role in this play and I was like mate this audition has come up and it would be life-changing like it would be money I could pay my rent every month without worrying you know I, I worked as a cleaner I'd clean successful actors houses and you know like um the music composer David Holmes who did Ocean's Eleven soundtrack I cleaned his house cleaned Lola Roddy's house cleaned scrubbed their toilets worked in the pub and did these plays so I was working every hour god sent just to try and make you know make rent and pay the bills and and then this opportunity came up for Hollyoaks and I was like oh my god like I might get 500 quid for that you know like <laughs> you're thinking this is more money than I've ever known um and uh and so I had to ask Tony if I could have the afternoon off and he was like mate if you promise you will be back here and backstage by 7 p.m. for us to go live at 7.30, you can go. And I remember thinking the whole way over on the plane, oh my God, please be no delays. Please don't let the weather be bad. You know, don't let there be any cancellations. Um, I was just 
absolutely bricking it because it would mean letting him down, letting the other actors down and all the audience that had paid for tickets, you know? Yeah. But I went over there and I did the audition. Um, and, and, and Cheryl, the character I auditioned for was meant to be quite clumsy and, Oh God, I was mortified, Graham. So she she was she was um described as um she's like a size 16, but she thinks she's a size six, uh boobs spilling out of the place, failed Irish dancer, confident, brassy, brash, tart with a heart. Um, and so I was like, right, okay. So I went dressed, I turned up to the airport, and there was 30 other girls from Belfast flying over for there was two roles they were casting. And I think everybody else had the idea that, well, we're going for Hollyoaks. So they all looked amazing. They had their hair GHD. They had beautiful makeup on, their best Saturday night clothes on. I turned up to the airport. I'd gone to Primark and I would bought this rara skirt, like a pink frilly rara skirt that I bought too big. And then I had some Spanx pants on that I'd stuffed with football socks to make me bigger than I was because I'd just been playing a heroin addict in this play and I was quite skinny. Uh. So I was like, I need to, I need to make her bigger. So I put all these football socks around my waist to make my skirt fill out more. And then I bought a bra that was three sizes too small. So my boobs were like squished together and spilling out. Had this vest on, loads of chains, loads of earrings, bangles, and rings, and I, I'd, I'd, I'd curled my hair into Irish dancing ringlets, but not pulled it out. So normally girls curl their hair and then they run their fingers, they tousle their fingers through it to make it look all soft. Well, I just curled it and had it like corkscrews yeah. and didn't pull it out, <laughs> and put so much makeup on. Showed up to the airport and all the other girls were like, "Oh my god, Bruno, what are you doing? Like, look at the hack of you. You cannot go to Liverpool like that." <laughs> And I, I had that real moment of, oh my God, have I read the room really wrong? Like, have I read this breakdown really badly? And I am going to make an absolute fool out of myself. But I kind of went, no, you've got to do it. Commit to it. Commit to it. You've done it now. So I went into the room for my audition and I had to read against this other um, Irish actor, Glenn Wallace, lovely man. And I had to read to play his ex-girlfriend and I had to pretend to slap him. And when I went to go and pretend to slap him, uh, like from a distance, five of my bangles flew off and whacked him in the head. And then like scattered onto the floor. So I leapt up and then like kind of bent over him to pick up all my bangles and it meant my boobs were in his face and it was all a bit flustered. And <laughs> the producer was just absolutely wetting themselves laughing going, I think we found a girl. I think this is her. <laughs> so it was kind of a stroke of luck and tenacity of like, yeah, I think, it, well, yeah, but everything, I mean, obviously like, yeah, you, you would have acted great in the, in the actual <laughs> edition, but I think <laughs> it kind of worked that the mishaps worked for and then I managed to make it home on the flight and at Liverpool airport because they'd said that in the room I was like oh my god I think I've got this I treated myself to this dress in the airport that was 29.99 which was quite a lot for me <laughs> and I, I, I treated myself to this dress and I made it back in time for the play and later that weekend I was with my, my mate Fuelon we were watching um Oh, I can't remember the name of the band. It's a really well-known band. Uh, we were watching them uh, play in Custom House Square and it started to rain and I was wearing this new dress and my agent rang and it was about nine o'clock at night and he was like, well, kiddo, you've got the job. Be prepared. You're about to move over to Liverpool and your life is about to change. And I swear, Graham, I had about 12 pounds in my bank account. Like I, I put the phone down and looked up at the rain and just cried happy tears and put my arms up in the air and Fuelon turned around to me and he was like, is it? Is it? Did you 
did you get it? And I just was bursting into tears going, yeah, I got it. I'm going to Liverpool. (laughs) And it was just so excited and so made up, you know, that I'd finally got a big job and I got some regular work that would mean I didn't have to worry so much about money for a little bit, you know? Oh, that, I mean, that is huge. I mean, I know you a bit, but I had no Mm. idea of like what a tough journey it had been. Uh, up to I think it's like that for so many actors I mean it was like that for you Graham like I think all of us have had that you know we've all had those those moments haven't we it's what makes us keep coming back you know well I I think that's the thing when people talk about rejection and stuff like that and battling through and um, I don't I mean for me it's never it's never so much about the rejection it's about carrying mm. on that length yeah. of Keep time going. without yeah. um mm-hmm. getting mm-hmm. that huge break or stuff like that's that's mm. a lot harder mm. you know and i've seen a lot of people quit acting even even people who are doing quite well yeah because yeah it's that thing of it still keeping going um well and that's the thing is you and and as you know yourself you get one massive job and you're i mean hollyoaks was huge for me and then I went, very lucky, went straight on to the fall, which was brilliant and, and was very successful the first time around. But, you know, the fall made an international star out of Jamie Dornan. You know, he went on to be Christian Grey and Fifty Shades of Grey. Obviously, Gillian is already a mega A-lister. And I, <laughs> I kind of just went back to a normal job and was like, oh God, right. Okay. You know, it's a real reality check of like, Okay. <laughs> um, and had to start getting normal jobs again because, you know, the the filming job only lasts for five months and then you've got to fill the other seven. Um, and, you know, the money isn't enough to live off for the whole year. So, yeah, yeah I there think, was... It, I think a lot of people don't, like, it, it's very hard to understand that and realise it. You know, people who will have watched you in Hollyoaks mm. they've watched you in the fall and it's like well you mm. know this like you know this this girl's a, a TV star and she's got loads mm. of stuff going on and everything but the truth of the matter is um you know that is the thing with TV especially um mm. it's very quick um mm-hmm. and it is like like you know like with certain jobs and stuff like that you will get paid very well but not for very long so no. well and the fall was a brand new show with relative unknowns apart from Jillian like so you know my wages there was a very big gap between you know I I earned at a t- well I won't say what the figure was but I I would have earned more if I worked at a Tesco checkout if you know that's I would have earned more that year if I'd worked at a my old job which was being a supermarket cashier so it wasn't enough to keep me going I had to um you know it's, I don't know it, it 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 wouldn't have covered rent I still would have been a third shy of my rent so you, you you still had to find other work you know and it doesn't work for everyone so I was kind of freaking out and going oh my god I've left this soap which was regular money and now I've gone and done this amazing job, which is very highly respected, but I'm skint, you know, because <laughs> the, the money difference between the soap and, and the BBC job was like, oh, my God. Right. OK. So I, I had to really steal myself and, and look for other things, you know. But again, like you said, it's it's the perseverance is the part that really tests you um, as a professional actor and whether you can have longevity in this and and that's what if you can manage that and and my thinking has always been well normal jobs if you take the shame out of normal jobs because there's this real stigma 
over shame of actors working normal jobs. But the reality is we have to, we have to. That's why I teach at drama school is so that I have a regular income when I'm not filming. And then if I am filming, like I am at the moment, I can pass that on to other out of work actor friends and they're really appreciative of it, you know? Um, So it's very important that you get over the shame and the stigma, but that's not easy because I mean, I'm sure lots of your listeners will remember that story about the brilliant girl who was shamed for working in Poundland, you know? Um, And uh, I've forgotten her name. She, uh, not Haley. Um, what was her name? She's a brilliant actress, absolutely brilliant actress. But you're like, that's what we have to do. You know, there's nothing new there. And for some reason, newspapers and media like to make this into some big story. But it's like the reality is most actors have other jobs, you know. And after the second season of the fall, I went and nannied. I nannied um six children um in, in Guildford. And you know, that was hard turning up to the school playground where people are like, Oh, what it, you know, that's a girl from the fall. And you're like, hey. <laughs> just gonna scrub some sheets do some homework (laughs) you know it's all good nothing to see here um but you know I think we really need to try and take this shame stigma away because actually it not only does it help you pay the bills and and mean that you're not having to rely on the state but you're also acquiring new skills you know that will help you for future roles every part-time job I've done that has lent itself in some way to a role that I do then in television or film and every person I meet is an opportunity to go oh that's interesting I'm going to keep that in my in my mind locker for another job you know so so what job um was it that um helped you with the wife of a serial killer then would you say (laughs) god credit cards for sure credit cards (laughs) credit cards and uh no I, I was very lucky I got to go to the royal um Belfast Royal um hospital and shadow some maternity nurses um who worked uh with um babies in the neonatal uh ward so that was I, I shadowed them for a couple of days which was such an honor and I'm very aware that that would never be allowed anymore because of COVID. So what a what an absolute honor to be able to watch those incredible women do their job and ask them questions, you know. So so Sally Ann came from a lot of those women who who really struck me as just being these wonderful, ordinary folk who, you know, I thought they were superheroes, but they didn't have that demeanor. You know, they were just so normal and so down to earth. Yeah. And, very self-effacing and self-deprecating they didn't want the focus on them it was all about what they did and what they gave back to kids and so I really took that on board for for playing Sally Ann you know well I think that's the thing um you you definitely you you get that when you watch uh the fall uh characterization was extremely good um I'm not finished of course I've still got five (laughs) So, um, like, honestly, um, I'm trying not to ruin this for myself, the final five episodes here. But aside from uh, the nursing, uh, there was another side to your acting skills that you had to uh, use. There's quite a lot of sort of sexy scenes in the old, oh God. the fall. Oh God. And was that, that was kind of the first time you were doing that, wasn't it? Oh my God, Graham. <laughs> I, I mean, you know me, I am not a sexy person <laughs> at all. And I am like mortified having to, I mean, I'm one of those girls, I'll have a couple of drinks and I'll flash 
my, you know, pull my t-shirt up with, I mean, not anymore because I'm far too old for that carry on, but I would have done when I was in my twenties and be like, you, you know, cause I think, well, it's the same as being in your bathing suit and everybody's got some, you know, I'm really not funny about body parts or, you know, I'm not, um, kind of embarrassed about any of that, but I had never done full frontal nudity before ever. And I was really nervous because I also was aware that I was still in Hollyoaks and that's watched by a very younger audience. Yes. And, um, and a very different that, character again. <laughs> like, yes. Like, you yeah, know, and so. I, yeah. And I felt like I had a responsibility. I was a bit nervous and also in the age of Google and, you know, YouTube and stuff. I was like, what if people take screen grabs of this, of my fanny? And then it's all over YouTube. I can... I can safely say that is the first time that <laughs> sentence has been used on this podcast. <laughs> Apologies to anyone who's eating their tea. Um, but yeah, it was just like, oh my God, I was really, really nervous about it. But we had the most incredible director, Jakob Verbruggen, a lovely Belgian director who was so cool about everything. And we did, this was the days before intimacy coordinators, because nowadays, if you do any scenes like this, um, productions employ the services of an intimacy coordinator, um, which is a fantastic initiative and idea, um, which is basically there to keep the actors safe and to keep them feeling safe and empowered. But that was before those days. Um, but I've got to say the director, Jakob, was amazing and yeah. really inclusive and made us feel good. But um, yeah, I mean, standing in a stable with a piece of band-aid, like a piece of elastoplast over your lady garden... Uh, and a pair of wellies and some football socks, <laughs> and, uh, you oh, know, a man. Mac over you with, um, you know, 30 crew standing around you is, is not my finest moment. And, you know, when Jamie and I had to get down to it in one scene, we were lying on the straw in this stable and there's a horse standing like in the stable next to us. <laughs> and you know the way horses, horses appendages sometimes come out like a lipstick, a bit like a dog, only about a hundred times the size of that. Well, that had happened while we oh. were sim- simulating our sex scene. And I mean, the two of us were absolutely scundered. It was like, oh my God. And Jamie was like, Jesus, could somebody take that horse away? It's making me feel really inferior, you know? Um, So yeah, it was, there was some really awkward moments. And I definitely think my most embarrassing moment on set would would be, uh, Jamie and I had to do the scene where I was in the bath and uh, Sally Ann's having a bath and Jamie's sitting on the side of the bath chatting to me. And Jakob, the director, very much didn't want there to be bubbles. And me and him had a bit of a battle over bubbles. I was like, I think Sally Ann likes a bubble bath <laughs> because I wanted the bubbles to cover me. And he was like, no, no, you know, he's Belgian. He's like, no, I like the steel water. It looks cool, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm, okay. So I had this, you know, elastoplast landing strip stuck on my lady garden, you know, from the front <laughs> to the back to your undercarriage that is keeping your modesty in place. So you basically look like a Barbie doll, you know? Um, and Jamie has to help me into the bath uh, and then I get in and I sink down into the water and we're having this chat and halfway through the scene like and bearing in mind there's about six people in the bathroom with us there's a boom up standing over the bath with his big long stick and the boom microphone pointing down so it can get our dialogue like there's a lot of people in in the room with us and Jamie is chatting to me and then he turns and looks at the water and his shoulders start laughing and I'm like what is he laughing at and like there's nothing more embarrassing than you lying naked and prone in a bath and one of like the world's hottest man is laughing <laughs> at you I was like what the 
what on earth is he laughing at? And then I looked down at the water and my elastoplast landing strip, my modesty strip, had come unstuck and had floated to the surface of the bath and was just slowly sailing down to the end of the bath towards the plug hole. And and leaving my full garden in all its glory, you know, and I was just absolutely mortified. It was awful. So top tip for actors is uh, don't put body lotion on before you put your body body uh, modesty strap uh, strip on because uh, it won't stick. So <laughs> that's my lesson learned. There you go. So no lotion before before no being... lotion before motion. Yeah, no lotion before sticking. Otherwise, it will float yeah. away. It will float away <laughs> and. Your co-star will know you far too intimately. <laughs> oh dear. Well, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. at least he was good about it. Oh, he was. He, he just he, laughed. Yeah. Didn't tell you about he it. Just he laughed. just laughed. Didn't tell me. No, just laughed. And then, yeah. but no, he's great. Jimmy Dornan, um, what a guy. <laughs> I know. No, he's great crack, and he's we we got on very very well. So yeah, I didn't feel too bad. It was more the other crew members. I was like, oh my god. Oh, yeah. Um, just on things going uh, not so well and stuff like that. Has there ever been uh, any times on theatre where things have gone tits up for you or that? Yeah, well, that play I was doing um, the flags. Uh, I played a character called Gronya, and I um, it's a sort of farcical dark comedy, and she she gets buried alive and then comes alive in the final act and. And surprises the two lifeguards. It's about these two lifeguards on the west of Ireland that are kind of shooting the breeze. And this girl who washes up on shore one day in a wedding dress. And it's a kind of comedy, dark comedy about all that. Anyway, she gets buried alive and then comes back to life. And I couldn't get out of the box. I was in this box with sand and seaweed and everything all wrapped around me. And I couldn't get out of the box. I don't know what had happened or whatever way it had been set. But I just couldn't get out. So the two boys were standing on stage waiting for me to get out. I'm meant to make this big surprise, you know, coming out of the sand. And (laughs) and I could just, I was frantically kind of banging the box and banging and banging. It's like a coffin. I was banging the top of it. Couldn't get out, couldn't get out. And Tony and and Fuelon, who were playing the the two male actors, they were like, they were like, um, oh, you know, uh, Frankie, maybe, maybe something might happen soon. You know, I, oh, I don't know, Joey. I think something could be happening soon. Oh, yes, so. And they're just kind of like ad-libbing back and forth. And eventually I'm banging and banging and banging. And Tony turns around and goes, oh, Jesus, the sand is coming alive. Look, the sand's alive. And there's just like bits of sand kind of. So he ended up having to press it open. And then I fell out of the box and he fell backwards. And oh, but I mean, luckily the audience were all in stitches. And we all just, I think Tony's very quick witted. He managed to come up with some good ad libs. But I was starting to have a bit of a panic. I mean, being well, stuck yeah, in a I coffin-sized mean, box I mean, is not... Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's like people always have that fear of something going wrong on stage anyway, but people doubly have the nightmare is to be buried alive. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, to yeah. have both and of them sand in your mouth. Because I was kind of open in the mouth trying to, you know, kind of make noises in, in my frustration. And you've got loads of sand and grit in your mouth. And... Oh Jeez, God! Well, yeah, yeah. I've not had that one before. I've heard many people talk about the, like forgetting uh, the lines and that, but not being buried alive and having sand in their mouth. Uh, that's the second time I, I was buried alive in the Agatha film last year as well, in sand as well. But nothing went wrong, luckily, in that, so that was okay. <laughs> have you? Is, is that a spoiler? Have you just given away that? At least? Yeah, people have seen it. it. Was on Christmas last year, so it was all right. <laughs> Maybe people have, but I've not. <laughs> 
<laughs> have you not realised I'm fully catching up on your career here through <laughs> through COVID? <laughs> You've become my favourite actress. <laughs> oh man. Um, and what? And well, actually, before I move on to one of the other things that I've caught up with, um, what what has been your worst addition? Would you say in your career? Um. Oh God, there's been quite a few. I think all actors have awful auditions. Like there's just been ones where, I mean, there was one time that I flew over from Belfast to London and had spent, I think it was about 270 pounds on return flights because of the day. It was during half term and that's just what the price of the flight because they, they duke it up so much, you know, at that time. And I'd flown over for this, I, I think it was some big biblical show that was, you know, like a big, Game of Thrones type thing, but biblical. Yeah, I think it was called AAD, the Bible story or something. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I flew all the way over for that and walked into the room at Spotlight, and the casting director didn't even look at me. Like, it didn't even look at me. And now, apparently, that's quite common with this this person. He's he's a wee bit older, and I think he just is very concentrating on his notes and then watching the screen. But it completely threw me, totally threw me. <laughs> Because I'm quite, as you know, very chatty. No. And so I didn't to go and shake the hand and he didn't shake my hand. And I was just like, oh God, right. Okay. And I've got to say, like nobody else I've ever met is ever like this. They're, they're very, very friendly and very chatty normally. But I just think it's his way of working. Um, and it totally threw me. And I got every line wrong, every, you know, it was just, it was just awful. I just, every different word was coming out of me. I was meant to be some Greek goddess for, with an English accent. And I kept going into my own accent going, oh, Jesus. Um, well, uh, you know, like in between, <laughs> as I was living, it was just awful. It was horrendous. Um, and I remember taping, self-taping, the wonderful self-tapes. I remember self-taping for a job which I ended up getting a much smaller role for many months later, but it was a show on sci-fi called Channel Zero, which was a horror show. But my manager in America hadn't told me what the theme of the show is. They'd just given me the sides and the sides are your audition pages, the pages that you're going to be auditioning for. So I had read the show and thought, oh God, this is quite funny. This is a bit like Fargo. It's a bit tongue in cheek. So I read for the lead role and taped myself, put myself on tape um, doing a Minnesota accent like Fargo going, oh, that's nice. Are you going to take the boys to hockey? And everything was like, oh, I don't know, you know. And I did her really simple, played it for laughs, thinking this is, I'm, I've smashed this. And then never heard anything because you never do. And then four or five months later, I get this call to say, um, so Fiona Shaw is in Channel Zero and they're looking for someone to play the younger version of her, uh, and would you put yourself on tape for it? And then they sent me the whole script and I was mortified. I was like, oh my God, this is a really gritty horror. Like this is a, tr a tremendously frightening psychological thriller. <laughs> I auditioned three months ago for the lead role going, oh, take the boys to hockey. Like, oh <laughs> my God. I would have just anyway, loved to have been there when they watched oh, it. I know. Well, I, so I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I taped for the part of the younger Fiona Shaw and I got that role and I purely think it's just because I look like a younger version of her. I don't think it was anything to do with my acting skills. Got the role and then on the first day on set, I told the director, I was like, I, I, like why? Don't do it, Brona. Keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Why do you have to say things just to make somebody laugh? Like, don't say it. 
So I was like, hey, Craig, uh, it's funny, actually. Uh, funny story, man. Uh, <laughs> I auditioned for the lead role for this. Uh, you might remember. Um, I thought it was like a Fargo type show. And you could see his face just drop. And he was like, oh, my God, it was you. <laughs> you did. And you're like, oh, why did I say that? Just he like, never would have known if I had this. We've let you on this show. I know. I know. He was like, what were you thinking? I was like, I wasn't sent the script. I didn't know it was a horror. I thought it was a comedy. <laughs> Read the room, Brona. Read the room. Oh, you know, well, you, you see, but like sometimes that's why you get things and you get jobs. And, you you know, in Hollyoaks, that's why it worked out for you, the well, fact yeah, that you just dived in there. I'm a big believer in strong choices, but sometimes the risk with that is sometimes the strong choice is oh so wrong. Yeah, no, well, you got to be. I, I, I am as well. I think you got to make strong choices and always be yourself. Don't try yeah. to be what you think they want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless you're a horrible person, then don't be that. Um, then. Mm. <laughs> yeah, just change. Just change. Yeah, just just, just become a better person before just your be next edition. Kind of. Yeah. Um. Well, but talking about horrible people, um, mm. coming up, actually, is it next week? It must be. Yeah, week. it's next week. You, yeah. you are, I did not even read. This was something that I was looking forward to seeing anyway. Mm. And then it turns out that you're going to be in all three episodes of yeah. Des, Des, David Tennant yeah. playing a serial killer. Yes. Yeah, fantastic show. David Tennant plays Dennis Nielsen, who was a uh, a prolific serial killer in the 1980s. Um, some listeners may remember this story. It's a horrific story um, where there was many, many victims. Um, and uh, it, uh, David's transformation into Dennis Nielsen is uncanny. Like, he looks... It's frightening and uh, it's also starring Danny Mays, the lovely Danny Mays and Jason Watkins, who's an absolute darling. Oh my God, what an honor to work with him. I adore him. Um, and directed by the lovely Lewis Arnold, who's who's just a brilliant director. Loads and loads of other people as well. There's, there's I think there's only a, a few women in it. Um, it's very much the story about David Tennant's character, Dennis Nielsen, um, and about the cop, uh, Danny Mays, who is trying to to uncover the truth from him um and his biographer played by jason Watkins. so uh, but i play a, a reporter a journalist who is based on quite a well-known journalist of the time a very tenacious smart um ambitious brilliant journalist who who you know i think she's still still about um and working uh and it, it was amalgamation of her and then another uh tabloid journalist and they amalgamated those two characters together and she's so my character's called Charlotte Proctor and she's just so tenacious like which is so lovely of that time in the 1980s like to see a woman being in a very male dominated uh, industry of, yeah. of male journalists and and fighting for the truth she she was dogged in her pursuit of the truth and of any cover-ups and stuff so yeah it was a really really interesting character to play and um and such a wonderful, uh, you know, program to be a part of. Um, David's performance is stunning in it. He is such a wonderful actor. Um, and it was quite breathtaking when he would walk onto set. It would take your breath away. His his energy and presence, even though he wasn't saying anything, was just, was really quite affecting, you know. So I'm really looking forward Brilliant. to it. We've actually got the screening tonight, this evening. Oh, um, really? We're, we're all 
we're all doing it on Zoom. So we're all meeting together on Zoom to have a little chat and a like normally you would do this in a cinema screen in London, but obviously that can't happen. So we're all gonna be watching it on Zoom together tonight. So I'm excited. Oh, that's really cracking. Excited. Oh. Yeah. Um, well, um, I think it is, like, like you say, I mean, I'm saying on this podcast, talking to you now, it's going to be next week. By the time this is out, it will already have been out. Yeah. Um, so people can be enjoying it already. Looking at your career, there's, there is there is something that I was going to ask you about. Um, you, you were on Celebrity Mastermind, weren't you? <laughs> I was. I did it last year. And I, you know what? And I honestly I'm... have no idea how you got on. This is not me taking the best or whatever. <laughs> I have no idea. I never saw it. I just know <laughs> because <laughs> of wonderful IMDb, I know yeah. that you were on it. So how yeah. did you get on? Well, do you know what? I came second and I only lost by a point. And it turns out that point I should have contested because it was actually the correct answer. But I doubted myself and I didn't. Um, in Mastermind, when you're playing, if there's anything, if they say, if it goes uh -uh, like that, you put your hand up if you want to contest it. And I just, I don't know. I didn't. I just went, oh, I guess it's wrong. But my subject matter was Fleabag. Really? Um, which was, yeah, which was brilliant because I wanted to pick something that I didn't mind like delving back into it and just watching religiously. So I just decided, you know, I, th I thought that series was just fantastic and everybody in it is just brilliant. And, you know, I've been working with Andrew doing a film a couple of years ago um, and he obviously plays a sexy priest in it. And so I just was like, I I'm going to do that. Um, so uh, it was brilliant and I loved it. And the question, the one question I got wrong was, uh, what is the name of the, psycho the psychologist in the talk? And I said that, actor's name which is actually Phoebe Waller-Bridge's mum so I said Tree Waller-Bridge because that she played a cameo in it and they said wrong they said it was incorrect because they wanted the character name but I could have contested it and I could have got it but anyway I came second but <laughs> the lovely Adam Pearson came first and he's such an amazing guy and his special subject was uh WWE wrestling oh. so you know I'm delighted for him because he's a he's a smart cookie and and you know it meant the world to him so and it was just such a great experience that's um, no like I mean to have to sat in the chair I mean oh, I know. That, that's oh god I was Spinning, I'm spinning, putting my legs up, getting selfies. I loved it. It's great crack. I tell you what, your man who presents it, he's quite grumpy, isn't he? He's very grumpy. I don't know. I've not met him. <laughs> Graham, just a heads up, you know. If you All right, for, for when I go on, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that. Thanks what, for would your, what would your specialist subject be, Graham? Oh, um, I mean, it's quite stereotypical sport or football. Um, mm -hmm. although do you know what someone went on and did friends on a mm. on a celebrity and i i got them all right on there so uh, oh, that's quite impressive because that's a lot of years of television so that's quite impressive no but it's, it's just like i mean obviously i watched it when it first came out and mm. it's very much um i would say our era um mm. but yeah uh, uh, it was sort of, and and then ever since it's just been on and on and on, hasn't it? Mm, well, and some people have such niche, like you know, you're saying sport. Some people have, you know, like uh, Man United, uh, UEFA Champions League from this year's to this year. You know, like some people have really niche stuff. You know, I know. That... I sometimes think if that's why I was like, I was like, would I do football or would I do sport? Because I watch so much sport. Like, you know, mm. when you go niche, it's almost like they go really hard. With the I know, wrestling. I know they do. They do, yeah. 
and it gets a bit like, oh, come on. Not even the guy, not even the player knows that answer, you know? <laughs> not even the guy holding the answer knows what the answer. What Bobby Charlton have for breakfast on the morning of the, you know? You're like, I don't, Bobby doesn't, nobody knows. A sausage. You know? Sausage? Pour it, I sausage. Hold back. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, what? Like, like, we got totally carried away on what I would be doing on Celebrity Mastermind. <laughs> Um, um, what are you up to right now? Because you're filming right now, aren't you? Yeah, so I'm filming a new ITV drama called Viewpoint uh, with the brilliant Noel Clark. Um, I'm so chuffed. I absolutely adore him. He's a wonderful actor, director, writer, producer, such an inspiration. And yeah, I mean, he does it all. Like He's like my hero because I'm like, you're doing what I want to do. I love it. Um, so yeah, it's a, a new kind of... Um, they're sort of saying it's like a rear window-esque surveillance drama. So yeah, we're shooting that up in Manchester until the end of November. And I'm loving being back in Manchester. You know, it's bringing back lots of very fond memories of my time living in Liverpool at Oaks. And um, it's just a shame I can't go out and see the city more. You know, I'm in this really cool city and it's like, I'm just looking at my four walls, you know. <laughs> and, um, I'm very, very grateful and very lucky to be working because, you know, so many of our um, fellow theatre and TV and film actors are not so... Um, I realise how lucky I am. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, and and that is the thing. The industry it's gradually coming back to life. More additions uh, will start yeah. occurring. Start uh, happening again. Well, we have to because if there's another lockdown, people need stuff to watch. Like <laughs> they, can't, they can't show the fall again. You know, there has to be uh, new content. So uh, yeah, it's pretty important that we we get this done so people have something new to watch. <laughs> no, well, definitely. And because there's so many platforms now, there's so many ways yeah. of showing things. It's like, uh, I think they will be running out, especially because America's like, you know. Anyway, what, I know, well, again, so we're, cool. just, we're just scooting off on a completely... We, we, I know, tangent. I, I know. bring you on here way. just to talk about the world. I brought <laughs> you on here to talk about you. <laughs> um... I've got a couple of questions from the internet for you, actually. Oh, I know. the Tinterweb. Yes, yeah, the old Tinterweb. Um, once again, uh, one's connected to the fall. Um, mm -hmm. And, I mean, you go watch how you answer this, because obviously I've not seen the end. Uh, but mm. Nicola Valentine, um, she, was, she said, there was no real resolution for Sally Ann. Mm. And she mm. says, how do you think she moved on? Ah, well, Nicola, that <laughs> is a really, really good question. And um, it's one I ask myself a lot. I think personally speaking, and if I'm not speaking too frankly, I find it quite frustrating because I thought we were going to to go into Sally Ann's story more and the children's story more. And for me, it was really interesting to know um about the people whose lives it affects, you know, you get this man, this awful, awful man who's living this double life. And so much focus was paid on him and on the detective and their straight, you know, their relationship. But I, for one, I'm always very interested to know how that impacts on the people in their lives, not just the victims, but the victims' families, but also the families of the serial killer. And I'd done so much research on women who are married to serial killers and remain with them and or when they find out and stuff. And I just thought it was such a brilliant opportunity to look into that story. Oh, definitely, but, yeah. Um, we just never, you know, we filmed a lot of stuff and a lot of it got cut because 
it's just the nature of the job. You've only got five hours to tell this story. That's how they did it. Um, but yeah, I find it frustrating myself. So I understand if some viewers also find it frustrating. And I was very interested to know what happened to her and, and where she's left without giving any uh, too many spoilers, I think is a desperately frustrating point and sad point because you never find out. And I would have liked to have seen how she tried to rebuild her life and how that impacted on her and the children because I think that there was a very interesting um connection with Olivia the daughter she was starting to um to experience and express unusual behaviors which were alarming and I think that could have been very interesting to explore and then how Sally Ann uh dealt with that and dealt with with him you know and the situation he was in and I also think that it would have been interesting to look at her mental health it was a real opportunity I, to explore I think I think spin off I think Brona <laughs> that's what I'm just I'm putting a shout out to Netflix because I know that you listen um yeah. <laughs> big boss and Netflix I know you're listening yeah. right now spin off okay yeah yeah. Do you know, it's funny, Graham, call there's it Sally a Ann. lot of programs I watch, and I don't know if this is because I'm a woman, but, um, you know, all of us, men and women, have such a fascination with serial killers and with... I was just about to know, say I, that I have this, like, me, I, well, I said, me and my girlfriend, we have, mm, pot, like, yeah. there's something... Yeah, it's the I think it's the psychology because it's obviously yeah. it's horrific what they do, but it's yeah. they're not human. Their minds they do things that you could never ever imagine a human being yeah. doing or going yeah. to places where. So you there is a fascination with these almost like yeah. creatures. Um, yeah, absolutely, and and like, I, but what I do find interesting is we so little we 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 focus and almost put on a pedestal the perpetrator and don't look at the impact that that has on the people involved and and I'm very interested in that from the research I've done it's it's an you know it's it's a huge magnitude what that affects has on people forever and and on their children you know there's a brilliant documentary it was on the BBC about a, a girl whose father was um you know convicted for killing her mother and like to see how that had impacted on that young woman, you know, I thought was so interesting and I really would have loved to have explored that more. And and I wished as well throughout the series, they had kept the play of him still living at home for longer. Well, it's such because... a common thing. That's the thing, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Because mm. the, the, so, yeah. the, a, lot, a lot of the serial killer programs that I've watched and seen and stuff, they've got like their wives with they've got wives with kids and like, you know they'll come round to the house knocking the door yeah. and it's just like your husband would arrest and wife yeah. he's a serial killer it's like what and so many um people so many partners choose to stay with them or whilst they're in prison choose to maintain contact for the children and you know I find that fascinating of like, how do you manage that? And how do you separate the monster from the father? And how do you, you know, all of that to me was really, really interesting and and asked some really interesting questions that I would have loved to have explored. Um, um, but I definitely think out of all the jobs I've done, that was one of the ones where I was like, oh God, it just felt like it wasn't finished for me, you know, for, for her. Uh, and it was a bit frustrating, but you know, that's that's tally, that's showbiz. <laughs> and that's probably a budget as well. Like, yes, like exactly. They possibly could have done a fourth season, but yes, not the money. Yeah. 
Um, or they maybe could now, after Bex yeah. has collected the yes. the Norwegian payment. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the other question uh, that I got in, um, it's a very, very different question here. Um, it's from Lorna on Instagram. Uh, mm. What was the first theatre production you saw that really impacted on you? Mm, great question, Lorna. Really good question. This is why this is no. why I put it out. I put it out to the public yeah. because they've got better questions than me. <laughs> Do you know what? I my first theatre memory was when I was about four years old, and my mummy, she was a single mum, and she she got those return tickets uh, for a fiver. Uh, where, you know, you queue up and then if nobody turns up or they haven't sold all the tickets, you get cheap, cheap tickets. And so she got return tickets to go and see Carmen, the opera. Um, and we went to go and see it. And I had, my granny had always listened to opera in the house. And I, before I could even speak, was like, you know, going, rah, 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 like all the time. I think, I think toddlers <laughs> love the drama of opera. Opera is so melodramatic that I think toddlers, it really connects with them because, it's big and it's, you know, tantrumy and then it's love and it's, you know, I think people in operas feel emotions the way toddlers feel emotions, you know? And I always tell my friends, like, who have small kids, I'm like, play them opera. They love it. They absolutely love it. And it's so good for their language and developmental skills and their creativity. So anyway, my mum took me to see Carmen and I remember being absolutely gripped I was so wee that I kind of stood with my hands on the back of the seat in front of me and just my jaw was open and as soon as the lights went up I was just mesmerized well there you go Lorna hey Lorna on Cheers, in- Lorna. Instagram yeah. what a question much better than me do you want to take over my show <laughs> All right, that's last orders. Okay, so Brona, that means that we do some quick fire questions and uh, then that'll be us. Uh, so here we go. We can go and grab our final paint. Right, here we go. First up, do you have a hidden talent? Uh, I can roll my tongue. <laughs> I think loads of people can. <laughs> well, it's hidden. It's not. Tie a cherry stalk in in a knot with my tongue. No, that's way more impressive. All right, next up, uh, do you have a guilty pleasure? Ah, uh, I mean reality TV. Oh, I knew God, that was coming up. after our it's Love Island reality chat. TV and chocolate and pizza and everything bad for you. Just gluttony. Gluttony is my bad habit. <laughs> gluttony with some reality TV <laughs> sprinkled on top. Heavenly hell. Um. <laughs> What is your pet hate? Uh, rudeness and not being kind. Do you have a bad habit? Um, talking <laughs> too much. <laughs> talking? <laughs> Never taking a breath. Um, Never taking a breath. Yes, no, that makes sense. Oh, and also bad habit is I forget to swallow when I'm talking, so I sometimes drool, which is not ideal in the world of COVID. <laughs> So masks are a bonus for me. It's like a wee bib as well as protecting everyone else from COVID. Oh my god, that like <laughs> so your your so actual bad habit is you drool Truly. while talking because mm-hmm. you don't swallow, you talk that much. Talking too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ask anybody I teach. It happens all the time. <laughs> wow. You got a feel for those kids. Oh, no. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, Ghostbusters. And salt and peppers, what a man. <laughs> Ghostbusters, I love it. What a first choice that was. Yeah. 
Who's your favourite <laughs> actor? Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. What? Watch everything he's in. He's brilliant. And it was such an honour to work with him. Okay. Um, a little bit biased there, aren't you? <laughs> a little bit biased. You've worked with him. How about poor Jamie? You know? Jamie's great too. Uh, <laughs> Jamie knew her in a shed, you know, <laughs> making love beside an erect horse. And you, you still didn't give it to him, you know? Um, who's your favourite actress? Catherine O'Hara, without a shadow of a doubt. Well, it's hard, but yeah, she's brilliant. If you haven't seen it, watch Shit's Creek. She is absolutely brilliant. Okay, two questions left. Who was your mm-hmm. idol growing up? My mum. Because she got her, like, she worked her way out of where she was and went back to study to give us a better life and is probably the strongest, bravest woman I know from what she's overcome in her life. What a moving answer. That. What a lovely answer. <laughs> true. I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like that, that's the one I should leave it on. Um, <laughs> but I'm not going to because I've got another question. <laughs> um, if you weren't a performer, what would you be? Uh, a painter or a potter. Really? I love. Yeah, I love painting and I love making pottery. A creative of like another to... sort. Oh, well, well, you know what? I, I, I'm looking at the time and I know that you've got a Zoom, a wonderful... <laughs> Mr. Zoom. Tennant waiting for you've me. You've got David Tennant waiting for you. Like, not many people could say that. Uh, on. I mean, and everybody else, so um, it's not... <laughs> without doubt. So I better let you go. Uh, but Brona Watt, thank you very much for coming on to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod. You've been a delight. Oh, thank you so much, Graham. And thank you for having me. And hi, everybody. <laughs> and bye. Bye, everybody. You say hi right Nobody at the end of drink. a podcast. Nobody had one drink. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Nice one. Lovely speaking to you. So there we go. That was Brona Wall from selling a credit card at the airport to heading off to Zoom with David Tennant. What a lovely woman and what a cracking career. Make sure and look out for Des on ITV and if you've not seen it, catch her in the brilliant The Fall on Netflix. I'll be meeting fantastic performers in the pub over the next few weeks and months with career-defining moments and secrets from behind the scenes. So make sure and don't miss out by subscribing to A Performer, A Pint and A Pod and follow at Performer Pint on socials. I've been your host, Graham Rooney. Thank you for listening. Please do rate and review. I'd love to hear your thoughts, unless, of course, you don't like me, then please do keep them to yourself. And remember, no one likes a stingy mate at the pub. So, share the pod with friends and family. See you next week.